everybody, and welcome to another episode of Two-Headed Game Master. I'm Cosmo, the first head. And I'm Dane, the freshly showered head. Gross. <laughs> well, I, I showered too, it was just last night. Uh, Two-Headed Game Master is a podcast about writing, designing, running, and playing role-playing games, where we discuss our favorite hobby, share our thoughts with you, and uh, even play some games sometimes. Oh, oh, oh. What's happening? Oh, no, oh it it's weird. a third head again. <laughs> Hello. We have a third head uh, tonight. Um, Nico. Hi. Hey, Hi, bud. guys. Uh, why don't you tell everybody, I guess, uh, tell, tell them a little bit about who you are and what's your... We're talking about games today. I don't know. What's your... What's your pedigree as a gamer? Why should they listen to you about games? Why should people listen to me? Well, they shouldn't because uh, I'm what some people would call a pretty bad gamer. Uh, I enjoy story-based horror video games, um, and I also thoroughly enjoy analog games with my friends. Uh, I don't play a lot of D&D like my other friends here, but I play tons of Magic the Gathering. Um, so MTG, baby. Yeah. Apparently, got a big old like D and D crossover event going on right now, which I do not know much about. But it's pretty cool. Sounds interesting. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, so that's our friend Nico. He's joining us today, and we are uh, we're still talking about games, but we're going to specifically shift focus a little bit today and talk about the Last of Us Two. Uh, and we are talking about storytelling in video games, how that is achieved, and and uh, you know how to do it well, what gets in the way, what works, and what doesn't. Not really a review of The Last of Us, but it's been a year since the game came out. We've all played it and want it to did just... interesting things yeah. with storytelling. I think it's um, stuff worth discussing. Yeah, mm-hmm. true. All right, uh, let's just start off with overall impressions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I'll go first. Overall impression, um, very interesting story, very interesting way to tell a story. Um, I think gameplay could have used a little work. Uh, It seemed a little, like, clunky at times, Um, but we can talk about that more later. So, I mean, I liked it. I enjoyed playing it. Uh, I played through with Cosmo, kind of, you know, we'd switch off every level or, you know, every couple deaths or whatever. Um, But it was a great, great time. Um, my overall impressions, kind of similar. I, I enjoyed the story a lot. I enjoyed the characters a lot. Um, my sort of, I guess, like, soundbite I've been working on since we started playing is, if it wasn't a video game, it might be one of my favorite things ever. If it was a, if it was a show or a, like, a novel, ooh, if it was, like, two books or something, uh, audiobook, it might be my favorite thing in the world, at least for like you know, six months. Yeah, fair enough. But I I think it was actually really held back by the actual gameplay. As a first person shooter and as a stealth game, it it leaves I think a lot to be desired. It's actually a third person. Shooter. Third person, yeah. As a third <laughs> person, yeah, make me sound stupid. Got <laughs> um. So yeah, just like I I love I love the world. Uh, I love the characters. I love the story. Um. I didn't love the gameplay most of the time, mm-hmm. but I still had an overall enjoyable experience because of how good the rest of it was. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah, my overall impression was I really loved it. I, I played it thoroughly over the last year. Um, you know, there's an argument to be made that perhaps amidst a pandemic, it was a little bleak. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I like that kind of stuff. I'm into sad things. They're fun <laughs> for me. And uh, I think it's a really powerful game. And I think the avenues it opened for storytelling and gameplay, I think, or storytelling in video games, which is something that I think all of us have been fighting for for like 15 years, trying to argue to older generations that this is a viable medium for storytelling. I think that this really just, threw, you know, slammed the door wide open for what we can do. I think there was a lot of that to... Uh, to the to the Last of Us Part Two, and to I guess everything Naughty Dog does. Yeah, it, it seems like they're working really hard to like prove video games as a viable art form. As like you know, this is just as legit of a medium as film or books or theater or whatever. I think they really nailed that on the second Crash Bandicoot game. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose, yeah. Naughty Dog has a has a pedigree that stretches back in history a ways, and yep. maybe at a time they were less concerned with that. But it, it seems like with the Last of Us series, especially, they're they're really trying to push the idea that like games are also a medium of art, yeah. and should be treated that way. Yeah. Um, I would say sometimes, just from like Druckmann's Twitter presence, maybe a little heavy handedly. Sure. He doesn't need to. <laughs> force it sometimes in the way he does or, you know, like, in defense of a thing that is a subjective piece of art. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I think this game does a lot for that idea. Sure. Pushing the idea of legitimacy and, and and you know... Yeah, absolutely. Art. Art in general. Totally. It is a piece of art. I mean, and I think that this is, this is something that I'm just... Maybe I'm noticing the patterns a lot last five years of my life, but there's so many of these things that, like, you know, you call it a video game, or you call it X, Y, or Z, and it is that thing, but it isn't quite that thing, like, this is a video game, but it's also a really beautiful narrative, and it's part of this huge story, and the video game aspect of it sort of seems secondary, because, uh, truth be told, the format for what the gameplay is is kind of dated mm-hmm. um you know the over the shoulder third person shooter survival kind of thing like you know that was the formula however long the last one came out like mm-hmm. ten, almost 10 years ago yeah the first half of the game Something came out yeah and it, you know it just it feels dated now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i that's definitely a point As, maybe they wanted to do that on purpose but gameplay wise Basically, nothing changed right. between games. And it, however many years that was, five or eight years. It's, it's a few. I think the first one was 2011 or something? Uh, yeah, 2011 or 2013. But anyway, yeah. yeah. They, they, they made the decision to change basically nothing about how you play it. Yeah, I mean, there was a couple um, more like linear puzzles or you know where you're scaling some heights and then occasionally like vertical rope. yeah mm. but imagine how sick that game would be if you actually had a grappling hook the yeah, whole time yeah if you had a fucking rope like <laughs> rope puzzles that was all they had they anyway. had rope puzzles but there were like should have been so many more <laughs> but, yeah so what we're gonna do 
for the rest of this episode. Uh, we're going to do a, a dive into The Last of Us 2, specifically focusing on the storytelling. So we're going to do a summary of The Last of Us Part 2. Spoilers. There's going to be spoilers. Maybe, you know, yeah, if, if you, you haven't. Really, if you haven't heard, which seems ridiculous because it generated such big buzz and it was, you know, it's been a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you haven't played it yet, wait. Maybe, maybe yeah. play it. And then come back. And then, yeah, come back. Oh, I already spoiled the part where there's not enough road pestles. Yeah. <laughs> it's People disastrous. Be mad. <laughs> Dude, you know, we already get a lot of hate mail. Now <laughs> we're going to get so much more. Well, maybe Naughty Dog should have made such great road physics. <laughs> I want more. There's, mm. Also, we get zero mail. <laughs> I would love some hate mail. <laughs> But yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna get into it. We're gonna summarize it, and then we're gonna talk about some stuff like the different perspectives, the pacing, uh, gameplay intertwined with story, the ending of the game, and then we're gonna have a more general discussion about video games. If there's time, if we there's might, time, we might get you know about excited. gaming and storytelling because that's what this whole thing is about. But uh, yeah, so who wants to who wants to st- how how's the Last of Us two begin? Ooh. Mm-hmm. Should, I, should I start? Yeah. Should I, Nico, let's, should I, yeah, yeah, let's let's do, but let's let's run through it quickly so we can get to our. Okay, cool. So, the Last of Us Part Two is basically picking up, uh, you know, a handful of years after the Last of Us Part One, where, as we know from the first game, Joel s- saves Ellie. I <laughs> saves mm-hmm. in uh, quotation marks. Uh, he saves her from then saving the rest of the world. Yeah, does um, save her life, but also abducts her. And then and then lies to her about it. Yeah, so you know, there's some uh, morally ambiguous stuff there at the end. Uh, So you pick up there, uh, and it starts in Jackson, which is a new um, settlement. Is that the word you would use? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So a settlement that uh, was started by Joel and Tommy, his brother, and um, there was some night or drama the previous evening with uh, Ellie and one of her girlfriends and Joel. And uh, that's kind of where we start the game off. Mm-hmm. So you go from there. You leave the uh, you leave the settlement of Jackson on a on a patrol, which seems like very regular. It seems like the normal thing that Ellie does. You're playing as Ellie, by yeah. the way, at this point. Um, and so you go you go with this girl Dina, who we don't know yet, but you know her and Ellie obviously know each other. And you're doing patrols around in the, you know, post-apocalyptic ruins around the town, keeping zombies away, looking out for survivors, keeping roads clear, you know, whatever. It, it seems like normal maintenance, like what is a good a good portion of the community's job is to just do this, to, like, keep the area safe, safe yeah. and go around. Um, and there's some weather and some sneaking around and some zombies, and then uh, the perspective shifts for the first time. Mm-hmm. And, well, Ellie was supposed to meet Joel. Yeah. Um, there was somewhere out there. They were both yeah, out on patrol. Leave him yeah. From, yeah. From duty. Well, so yeah, this um, perspective shifts to. Um, well, we don't know her name yet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> maybe, we, maybe we go that route. <laughs> uh, it shifts, and there's another group of people who are um, by Jackson, by the settlement of Jackson. Uh, it's winter. It's snowy. Um, the, the one that you're playing as um, runs off um, against her team's wishes um, to go chase down, well, you know, they're, they're chasing a man. Right? They see they some lights in, yeah. the, in the snow and they're 
oh, this could be the man we've been chasing. Yeah. So she goes off, gets absolutely mobbed by the the fungus zombies, um, and then runs into Joel. Mm-hmm. This is going to sound really silly since <laughs> I, I'm the one who brought this game up. Uh, <laughs> is there a name for the... Do they have, like, a cute, like, you know, like, The Walking Dead calls them walkers? Like, is there... Uh, clickers. Right? They, well, they call them infected a lot of the yeah. times. Clickers are like the advanced stage right. where and their head is a thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think they just, in, in dialogue, they just, just call infected. them the infected. Okay. Sweet. So she gets mobbed by a bunch of infected. Yes. Joel saves her, right? Yeah, then Joel saves her. Who they run into coincidentally. Right. So they, they like, you know, kind of team up, get out of the bad situation. Um, Joel and um, his brother Tommy, they go to like the your characters, you know, hideout or you know, just like kind of rich, you know, ski mansion abandoned, of course. Yeah. Um, and then it turns out, uh, well, when you learn Joel's name, it turns out Joel's the guy they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so murder happens. Yeah. And Joel like, dies. Ugly murder. Mm-hmm. That's like. Yeah. Yeah. Ugly. I don't, I don't think I've seen anything in a video game quite that graphic. I think I've seen a lot more stuff like, you know, you, you don't have to you don't have to go very far in Doom Eternal to see <laughs> something more graphic. But in terms of tone, mm-hmm. totally. it's, That's yeah. what I'm saying. Because, like, yeah, right. like, like, ripping know. a demon in half with your bare hands, right. it's very it's like, graphic. Yeah, Doom, but... Doom is full of blood and guts and shit, but it has this, like, slapstick you know, feel yeah, to yeah. it. Where this is this very... Is very this is very serious real. and sad and brutal... <laughs> Um, and at that point, uh, Ellie also had kind of like found her way into the same place. So this, yeah. this new girl who you don't know and her friends have Tommy and Ellie tied up or, you know, restrained. just restrained and then they beat Joel to death. It's traumatic yeah, for Ellie. She has to watch, she has to watch it happen. With a golf club. Mm-hmm. But then they, you know, they decide that they got what they came for, which was always Joel. And they leave Ellie and Tommy mm-hmm. and go back to wherever they came from. Yep. Which is Washington. You know, they, they hear them talk about where they came from. Yeah. Because what follows after that is a lot of grief and, you know, Ellie kind of being at a loose end. Because all she can do is, all she can think to do is go on her revenge trip. So her and Dina, who are now girlfriend, girlfriend agree to go after Tommy, who's already gone to get revenge, and they head to Washington. Yeah, and then, so, I mean, basically, to summarize it a little bit quicker, uh, yeah, we have three days as Ellie experiencing mm-hmm. Seattle. Then the game does a really cool shift where you do three days as Abby, who mm-hmm. we now have discovered is the girl that killed Joel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so a lot of people are really upset about that. Yeah, that that switch over because it's like, oh, now you have to play as the bad guy. Yeah, the you know the woman who killed Joel and who we were trying to kill. Because that's the other thing. During those three days, you hunt around Seattle right. and kill Abby's friends. You kill Abby's friends as you like mercilessly. Yeah, <laughs> as as you are trying to get to Abby and also trying to like figure out you know who's who and where is everything in this so. city that you don't know. Um, Ellie is pretty merciless. And driven and, you know, a badass, but also, like, mm-hmm. just as vicious as Abby was in the first place, 
killing Joel. Just as vicious. But it felt worse. It's yeah. and yeah, I think so. It's very interesting. So that, like you know, your perspective switch switches right halfway through the game. Right, you yeah. start playing as Abby. So as Abby starts off very vicious and merciless by like killing Joel, beating him to death in front of you know um, Ellie and Tommy. Abby's story is actually like really like one of a hero, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so her story in Seattle is in Seattle. There's like the uh, Washington Liberation yeah, Front. There's the, the wolves, wolves, which is the sort of like neo medieval, uh, like militant. Of yeah, bros. yeah. They're they're like they're super militant, yeah. but they're also super survivalist. They've turned the stadium into a place where like lots of people can live, and there's, mm. there's agriculture. Yeah, there's yeah. there's food and places to sleep, but also it's like super strictly. You know, controlled, and yeah. they're at war with a uh, sort of like return to nature cult that yeah. is in the same area. And from Abby's perspective in the beginning, it's it's pitched as though you know Abby is good at fighting them, and they are definitely the bad guys. As you get further into it, you hear that you know they've had multiple truces with these people, and everyone seems to think it was always the other side who breaks the truce, and the other side is the you know psychotic. Uh, you know, like craving violence ones. Cult, yeah, right. every the the other team thinks that about them. It's you know, and that's that's not complicated. That's that's how that's how war has been mm-hmm. for a long time in human. So history. as but, as Ellie is like starting to become more and more unhinged, and you know, more and more about murder, murder, murder. Mm-hmm. Abby kind of pulls back. She. She begins captured. the story as like a top commander yeah. for the wolves who loves killing scars or doesn't love it, but it's great right. at it. Scars is the, you know, the nature cult. Yeah. Uh, but then gets captured, but then gets saved by a scar and then starts protecting this mm-hmm. uh, this little kid. Yeah, because she's having nightmares about killing Joel and, mm-hmm. and how it's not going to ever bring back her dad. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I guess we should also mention that oh, the, right. the, the doctor that... Joel killed at the end of the first game is Abby's dad. Yeah. Right. I'm realizing this is all getting a little complicated. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty we, critical. We definitely blew the summary. Yeah, I guess... <laughs> so this is not a review of The Last of Us, and this is not even really a great summary of The Last of Us, if you're still listening, I guess. Um, this is a discussion about The Last of yeah. Us, so it's best served... If you... If you know what The Last of Us is, because we're, mm. we're having a... We're having a conceptual discussion of ideas as they pertain to The Last of Us. Exactly. Yeah. So, anyhow, jumping back to, to what Dane was saying, uh, we, we experienced Abby's redemption mm. uh, after murdering Joel. Mm-hmm. And so, it's very similar in the way that it parallels Joel's redemption saving Ellie in the first game. Now, uh, Abby is running into it where she's saving, um, oh goodness. Lev. Lev, Lev. yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Lots, of, lots of symmetry. Um, yeah, terrific amount of symmetry. First of all, between two games, yeah, Joel's journey as a you know guy who loses his child mm-hmm. in a really like appalling, heartbreaking opening sequence of the first game, and then you know as we start playing him, we're like, oh, okay, he's like a jaded asshole. It's been ten years. The world's right. He's falling down. Yeah, that, yeah. And then he meets a you know another child, learns to love again, learns to feel, and takes care of her. To the point where it's the detriment of yeah, the world. Basically. It's yeah, it's to the detriment of the world, which Abby or Ellie finds out about. Which is and why is, she's so yeah, angry. and is having a really hard time forgiving him for. 
Also, just dishonesty, I feel like, was pretty important in that. Like, Joel wouldn't tell her because he loved her so much he couldn't let her die, but he also wouldn't tell her the truth about what happened. I'll tell you right now, when I played The Last of Us Part 1 and that last sequence where Joel lies to Ellie mm-hmm. straight to the face, I was like, no, nah, <laughs> I can't. That's I heartbreaking. Get, that sucks. Because, like, you could have told her the truth about that. And then it wouldn't like she might have she might have reacted any number of ways. Sure, but like lying. I think it was the lying that did it. Yeah, this bad because like I totally get that. Why would you want your new daughter to just be chopped up? Yeah, you can't. You and can't like, oh, we're gonna save game. the world. The world's fucking ruined. It, yeah. yeah, say the whole world's ending, buddy. It already did. That's a <laughs> that's a Bo Burnham. That's a good reference. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, but yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so so we, we're kind of going through these two mm-hmm. women's days through Seattle. Uh, Ellie becomes more unhinged. Abby's more violent being, and ruthless as yeah. well, which is what she, like, saw and hated. Yeah. And she was right. like, oh, they and took Joel from me. It's You can really, um, as a player, you really get to see this because her companion, Dina, is constantly telling her this. That, yeah. like, yeah. she's becoming a bad guy and She's like, stop dina get some help. dina might be my favorite character the whole story really? just because like dina's kind of like dina is kind of like michael in arrested development like she's a straight man in this except instead of comedy it's violence and depravity sure she goes with ellie in the beginning because she's like yeah this is you know this is an attack on us that we can't let go unanswered and also they love each other, so like she's not going to let her risk her life without backup. But then as it goes on, she's like, well, you know, some things are more important, like the relationships that you still have and our survival, and you find out that Dina's pregnant. Right. And, you know, Ellie has to start being like, well, okay, so, like, the woman I love and also this, like, future... Is this more important than the vengeance that basically achieves nothing except catharsis, which does it even? No. Yeah. I think that... And I think that might be the... uh, Overarching. Yeah, the thesis of the entire game is that, like, vengeance does not equal catharsis because everyone gets it to some degree and is still miserable. Tommy doesn't get it. That's right. Tommy does not. (laughs) Tommy gets shot. Yeah, Tommy gets shot. I thought he was dead. Me too. Um, and I think you're supposed to. I, I don't think there's any way to, like, oh, yeah. Well, he, he gets shot and then comes back crippled. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he actually got it pretty bad. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, that's... That's true. Tommy maybe, like, comes out the worst out of anybody because he's still mad, didn't get to have a journey of catharsis. Lost his brother and his wife. His and wife his wife, yeah. Because he couldn't let it go. Oh, brutal. I think, yeah, I mean, it talks about, like, how not letting go of trauma is mm-hmm. really what's going to destroy your world. Mm-hmm. I think that, I think that almost is more important than mm-hmm. the like revenge is bad, which I feel like it's a little heavy-handed with, mm-hmm. but like if you walked away with it understanding revenge is bad, I guess like you sort of got some of it. Got halfway there. Yeah. But there's some layers. It's like an onion. There, there's yeah. a lot of layers and I think like that goes back to the idea of symmetry that was brought up. <laughs> <laughs> um Throughout throughout the story, as we switch perspectives, and later on in the end game, we switch perspectives 
two more times mm-hmm. for the like final chapter. Um, the the symmetry between you know like Abby becoming a uh, mentor parent to Lev after you know he loses basically everything, right? Which is almost worse, like the most tragic thing. Like he goes back to the island to. And his mom to get his mom, and his mom tries to he kill him, to so kill he has to kill his mom, and that thankfully like happens off screen because and uh, how so it's not because she's infected, be. but because she's a bigot. Because yeah. Lev is going against their yeah. like tribal norms. Lev is the trans character who yeah. you know like she's nobody the, even knew who he was. She's trying before, to fill the but, man's role, like she yeah. shaved her head. To, like, be a man, and then, you know, that mm. really upset the mother. and Yeah, yeah who was, like, really into this religious cult. And you find out that it was because they were going to try and make him be the wife of some you know, shitty elder. Old like, old oh, dude. God. Yeah, fuck yeah, kid. Kill your way out of that place. Yeah, get right the fuck out. Appalling. Yeah, pretty tragic. Just horrible. Yeah, and, you know, so he makes it. I mean, he ends up, like, really needing Abby, and they need each other because... He is, Lev is Abby's redemption. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's been a little discombobulated, but there's a lot to unpack here. They told a hell of a story. Yeah. Right. Like, and I, I think that's maybe why. Indicative right. of, like, we've lost the thread in uh, in recapping. Sure. It's a tough thing to recap. Because everything spirals like off into, hours. yeah. It is like a 30-hour game with six perspective shifts, not counting flashbacks. And everything spirals into something more conceptual than the actual gameplay, right? That right. you're being so asked to do. Like, yeah, you're just going through a museum with Joel, but mm-hmm. there is a lot more okay. under the surface. So let's get all right. So the way they told the story, right? They had this story to tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did it with dual perspectives, you know, and like we've seen that done in novels and movies, film, TV, right? Yeah, you know, it's it's a very common way of storytelling. So, that's, uh, I mean, it's not going to say that it's the first video game to ever do this, because, you know, uh, Halo 2. Yeah. Best video game ever been. Certainly not a bad video game. And also, uh, nobody asked for that. Yeah. Like, nobody asked to play as the Arbiter. But then but they gave it to it. us. Yeah, and then you get to. And, it didn't have to go that Well, way. actually, some people really don't like that. So, maybe I shouldn't speak as though, you know, we're... <sighs> Whatever. I liked it. Anyways, so... I, I think it was cool. It's, I it's, think it serves storytelling. I think, and also as a video game, I think it adds a lot to the video game because, um, well, and, you know, we mentioned in our overall impressions how the mechanics kind of were eh, but um, the mechanics differed between yes. Ellie and Abby. Yeah, which yeah. actually and very subtly. Yeah. It was subtle, but it led for a more interesting mm-hmm. gameplay experience mm-hmm. other yeah. than just playing as right. like two characters. Because if you like, if you're when you're playing as Abby, if you one on one with an infected or a scar, you can just beat them to death. I love Abby. Abby's so cool. <laughs> Ellie can't do I that. Wanna, she has to stab. She has to stab and sneak. Just, like, take things heads <laughs> and bash them against walls, and then I get to do that as yeah. as Abby. It's mm-hmm. so cool. And you get you know. Very quickly, it only takes about two hours playing as either character once you're in the three days to, yeah. like, fully get your arsenal. Not fully upgraded, but to, like, yeah. get all the guns that you're supposed mm-hmm. to have. They're different. Yeah. You, you know, you have, like, an assault rifle when you're Abby. When you're Ellie, you have a hunting rifle. You have less bullets, you have to play differently. Yeah. It's a stealth versus a mm-hmm. really a beat em up mm-hmm. kind of game. Yeah. And the game still mostly acts, asks you... Axe... <laughs> Game still mostly asks you to 
stealth. Um, and I would say, you know, just pulling out a story a little bit, this is a gripe I have. I don't think the stealth game, the stealth gameplay played very well. Okay. I think, I think it was poor compared to some other stealth games, but you know, when you make stealth a gameplay mechanic, you expose the weaknesses in your video game. Sure. No matter what. You know, like you stealth in Far Cry, you stealth in Assassin's Creed, you stealth in lots of video games, and stealth is always this just like, hey, we're we're pulling it real tight. Yeah. And and you can really see the, you know, the thread count of our video game. Right. But that being said, I don't think Last of Us 2 did stealth very well. AI was kind of stupid. What was cover or concealment was a little loose. I, I it just you know, but it hate, asked you to play it. That's I didn't all. Hate the stealth. Um, I don't. I don't remember thinking the AI was particularly dumb. I thought the the things that they added to to what the AI do, where they like call her out and they're like, "Hey, she's over there," mm. and then get like a game yeah. of people to like sneak up on from behind you. Like, there's cool things it did. And then there's also just, like, general game issues, right? Like, Right. Right. Oh, this my, guy doesn't see me even though he's right on top yeah, of me. Yeah, you know? my yeah. biggest thing was that your, like, companion could do whatever the fuck they yeah, wanted. Yeah, your, your companion would crouch and be like, oh, uh, I'm what, in stealth. I'm hidden. Yeah. What that did is it... It, it didn't matter where they were. It they kind of takes seen. me out of the story because, like, oh, there's too many I'm going to fight. Let's, like, sneak. And then just, like, my companion's, like, sitting out of cover, just, like, crouched. Yeah. And it's like, you're going to get seen, but, like, because, you know, mm-hmm. and I understand. Because video games. Yeah. Because video yeah. games. And I understand it's, you know, But at first you extra... might be like, oh, Lev, you're out in the open. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit, there's a guy. I'll stab him. Right. And then you expose yourself. And then, you know, you only do that once before you figure out mm-hmm. yeah. their stealth doesn't matter. It's just me. Yeah, right. it definitely is a little immersion breaking, and that's yeah. fair. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a fair critique, for sure. But, you know, you know it, is, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, still told a hell of a story. Um, yeah, I would say so. And just, uh, like, a, a story that I love, because I love post-apocalyptic media. Right. And you mentioned earlier that, you know, releasing this game in 2020, which they couldn't have predicted, right. the, the nightmare. <laughs> Nobody saw you know, that coming. <laughs> that, like, it happened very quick, which is what happens when a virus mutates to the point where it can do that. They had a game that was basically ready they were working up to release and you know they released it to a to a market that was in a weird place yeah but that being said and even living through a pseudo apocalypse i still love apocalypse media and totally. it it was it was a fantastic story i love the um the environmental storytelling was so good. Like, the ruins of Seattle are awesome. I love the, like, river yeah. that's coursing through it. And I wonder how that happened. Like, obviously, some buildings collapsed. But was there also, like, an earthquake yeah. or something? Totally. Like, why is the river running through all these buildings? It's such a cool section to play through. Well, it's just, like, visually enticing. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know. Yeah, you, you guys... see these, like, beautiful just, like, scenes from, like, up on a building or a hillside, and you're like, shit, yeah, I'm going in there, and... I mean, like, I don't know if you guys watched that, but there was, like, I don't know, ten years ago, there was something on, like, Discovery Channels, like, the Earth will reclaim the world when all humans disappear. I think it was longer than that, man. That might have been, like, 20 years ago. Oh, jeez. But, yeah, like, <laughs> but, uh, Earth Earth without us or whatever. Exactly, yeah. and I was just, like, it was, like, getting to 
experience that world like <laughs> semi firsthand. You know, mm. like yeah, so well realized the idea that like if people aren't there, so much of mm. what we've created degrades and crumbles and falls apart, totally. and what fills the space. And then that's an environment that you explore and, so cool. like, battle through. Uh, also, like, you know, not to take it to, like, current events and political situation, too. Or, but, like, you know, during the, like, strictest bits of the quarantine, like, lockdown. Yeah. You know, you got to see a little mm-hmm. bit of that. And, and then, we, boom, Last yeah. of Us 2 comes out and it's like, yeah, so if this continued for 20 years, look at this. That's that's actually, I'd forgotten what a, what a big thing in the beginning of the first Last of Us, the, like, the federal like martial law situation was because yeah. they start in Boston, right? Uh, in the first game, Texas. No, well, they, he yeah, his right. his daughter dies in Boston or in Texas. The game technically yeah. does start. Yeah, but yeah, they're in Boston. They're in Boston, and the Fedra, the like federal disaster, like military, whatever. Um, and so, like after ten years of continued health crisis, the U.S. government has gotten like fully fascist mm-hmm. and. So they're like actively working to undermine and attack them. They, you know, the fireflies, the right. the resistance to fascism in a world that no longer needs the federal government because everyone's dead. Basically, right? You got to see bits of that as you're like, you know, working your way into Washington and like reading journals and going through checkpoints and stuff. Like everything's all still locked down. You have to find gas to start generators to open gates and shit. Yeah, there was. There was so much great visual and, like, uh, what would you call that? Collectible storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. In The Last of Us. The game is a visual marvel, for sure. Like, it's beautiful. And that, you know, brings us back to, like, video games as an art form. Like, you know, some of those indie games just have fantastic, beautiful art styles. And, like, the gameplay is just a basic side scroller. Mm-hmm. But like what you buy it for is like the Yeah, you buy it for this unique for the art, art of right. how it looks, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean that's some of the best parts about storytelling in video games is like you can do a lot with a little, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just like here we go. This is a triple A title that ultimately had pretty boring outdated gameplay, but was a really compelling story. Mm-hmm. Just the same way that some indie games you're buying because it's beautiful artwork and the side scrolling is maybe not the most exciting, but maybe it's tight yeah. and it does yeah. the thing really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can do a lot with a little and you can tell great stories that way. Yeah. I would say that the further I've gotten away from completing The Last of Us 2, when we were actually playing it, I would sometimes be really frustrated with sure. segments of gameplay. And we're like, well, you're asking me to do a lot here. You're asking me to fight a lot of guys with a stealth system that isn't great and, you know, you limit your ammo. Your ammo is limited artificially. Sure. You know, and you're supposed to, like, use all the tools at your disposal, but you die so quickly. And it's just, there was there was a lot of, there was a lot of gameplay stuff that I didn't love. And when I was playing it, I could get pretty frustrated, but now I've got mm-hmm. a little distance. A little distance, right. It really didn't hurt my enjoyment. I was just like, well, this, you know, it sucks to die and retry a checkpoint multiple times, but right. mm-hmm. I, uh... I still really enjoyed the whole thing, and serviceable is maybe better than, than, I don't know, groundbreaking in this situation. It's just, like, it's a serviceable third-person shooter, and it doesn't need to be anything more than that, because where the game really lives is in its intense story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will, you know, like, yes, it told a great story. Um... But one of the problems with video game storytelling is 
uh, pacing and like balancing gameplay mm -hmm. with storytelling. Right. Right. Because um, how many times you as Abby, you did a flashback to like the hospital when Joel killed everybody. Yep. Yeah. At least twice. Was it three? Two or three times. Because they're nightmares that she's. Having. Yeah, they're nightmares yeah. that she's having. And in those nightmares, you can't pull your gun. You can't punch like you can't jump the buttons that you're supposed to be able to use don't do anything in that sequence so why is it a game it should have just been like in my why mind, isn't it just like a flash of cinematic yeah, is kind of my question make it a cut scene. i think it's to force you to to experience it right like it, you get to experience it a little bit more um if if you're not just watching it happen Fair enough. Right? Like, there, yeah. there is something... You gotta pay attention. You ever, like... You ever have, like, a bad dream? Like, this happens to me all the time. I have a bad dream, and I'm like, oh, somebody's doing this thing, I gotta go punch him, and you try to punch him, and your hand just, like, crumbles. You're like, this is Yeah, so or, like, it's, yeah. it's like, just oh, hard to lift my, your arms. My it's hard frequent, to pull a trigger. My frequent... Yeah, yeah I can't... I can't pull a trigger in my dream. Like, mm -hmm. sometimes I just, like... And I get so frustrated. It's like, just pull the trigger. I've had weird ones where, like, I can pull a trigger. Like, I can shoot but guns a lot in my dream, oh. and just, like, it does nothing. But and I'm just I'm shooting like it's a video game in my dream. <laughs> but it's just doing nothing. But like it's nothing. It's just But the monster yeah. isn't going down. Yeah. But that's that's to me kind of one of the coolest parts about that is like you're it's just forcing you to like experience that again. I would say I would agree with you if there was more to that sequence, but that sequence is just a run down a hallway. Right. And it doesn't progress unless you actually run Abby down the hallway. But you can't do anything except run Abby down the hallway. In that, I think it shouldn't be gameplay. It should just be a moment of cinematic. Because they do that a lot, too. And I think they just, you know, they miss the mark sometimes on what should be cinematic and what should be gameplay sequences. Playing as Ellie, there's a flashback sequence where you play as Ellie, hanging out with Joel for Ellie's birthday or something, and uh, you go on, like, a hike and a swim to uh, the Natural History Museum in Wyoming. And you get to have a really cool day out with Joel and explore the place. And there's a lot of interactive stuff. That being gameplay, I think, was the right choice. But some of the flashbacks that are obviously dreams... Also, I will say that, suffer. like, what it could have done better in those, like, you know, obviously it's not... You're not going to get attacked. Uh, it's kind of just, you know, exploration and exposition gameplay... They should have maybe, you know, done a better job signposting, like, what's going to take you out of it. Because, like, I was, you know, in the National History Museum. Like, if I come up to this door, like, is that going to take me out? Because, like, I still got a couple dinosaurs to see. Right. Mm -hmm. Or, like, you know, uh, at the end of the game where it's, like, you know, go outside or talk to Dina. Like, I don't know which one's going to end it. Yeah, which one is going to move this story to the next scene and take me out of something yeah i mean here's here's me offering a different opinion um, we love that i love i love different opinions. i love those kinds of segments and games where it's okay. just like i'm pushing forward because i need to play this and experience this mm -hmm. as the game player as the mm -hmm. as the person pushing the avatar forward i think that it creates a unique feeling as a player and it's something that I really appreciated about, you know, older games like Silent Hill 2 does a really good job in the first sequence of the game, makes you walk down a dirt trail, and it's just spooky mm -hmm. for like, I don't know, I imagine the first time I played it, I was just scared of the fog and the noise that 
you're like slowly running down. You're like, oh, what's going to happen? What's, is mm-hmm. something going to jump out of Tension you? building. It builds mm-hmm. tension. I mean, and it, it just sort of adds to the immersion of the experience rather than just being passive and watching it. Mm-hmm. It is not, in fact, a really fun gameplay mechanic because it's not, you're just pushing forward. Yeah, mm-hmm. you, you basically do nothing. But, but it's putting yeah. you into this mindset where sure. you're like really... You are controlling them, You are, you right? are this character. Yeah. And I think that that's a really interesting aspect that's not just literal gameplay storytelling. It's storytelling through the actual gameplay. Mm-hmm. You can't see my air quotes on the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were there. Can confirm. But they were there. I saw them. I I guess I, I get that. I get that idea, definitely. Well, because I mean, and I, think, I think that what, just having conversations, or, since we decided that we were going to do this, just understanding that I think we both look for very different things mm, in video games. Yeah. Uh, I, I love story. I love weird ambient stuff that's happening in the video game. Uh, I love when we're exploring with Joel and then getting prompted to ask questions or talk to him and mm-hmm. all the stuff that's like not technically gameplay, but it's like yeah. just adds to the experience. I love that shit. I, I eat it up. You know, whereas like I, I actually think Doom and Doom Eternal is super fun. I suck at it. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> And there's a lot of colors flashing, <laughs> and I think I'm having a seizure, but this is kind of fun. <laughs> I, I definitely get that, and I, I love the two new Doom games with all my heart. With all my parts. I just, I love them. But, I, I'm, I'm looking for story as well. Yeah. And, mm. the, like, Doom Eternal kind of like whiffed it I think by making it silly. Sure. I loved in the in the first of the Doom reboot series the the like the bits of collectible storytelling that you find yeah. and you know when you like you hear a recording or you know like a ghost telling you about how you in the past killed a titan in hell or whatever shit. I I love that shit and I always wish there was more to it. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So before we we get off like into that. Stuff, yeah, let's not get um, too deep into it. Pacing, pacing in video games and storytelling in general, because you know this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring it back to, yeah, to maybe yeah. some connections with role playing games, like Ooh. for all those game masters out there that are writing their own stories. Mm. Um, what are some good things to keep in mind about pacing? And, like, maybe, you know, Last of Us as an example of good or bad or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I think in The Last of Us, because it was a video game experience, uh, it felt difficult to ride this linear wave of progression and then have a just straight drop-off to when zero you start again. playing as Abby. Yeah. And in your head, all you're thinking is, i got to go collect all these items mm-hmm. all again. Yeah. And it's so exhausting. At the very least, they were different. It wasn't like collect the same shit sure. to be Ellie again. But, but like you start, you yeah. know, you leveled up Ellie to like you know be better at this. Yeah. And like you and know, get a bonus here. here. So, and, and then, then you got to yeah, collect yeah. all the nothing. fucking gears and bolts or whatever. Right. Were. And like you know, it was it was a cool reveal the first time, but on every subsequent playthrough, it's just been like a feel bad. Like mm. it just feels tedious. Mm-hmm. Like, like the moment that the flood shows up in Halo, you're like fuck. 
Yeah. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that, that's really what the feeling is. I mean, you know, I, I've been griping and I just kind of hope that at some at some point there's a mod where it's like we can do mm. day one is Ellie, day one is Abby, day two is, you mm. know, back and forth. Because Spread the I progression out a little bit better. That would fix the pacing issues. I think that would actually, that would change some stuff about the end game too because at the end of day three for both characters, like shit is really... Hitting the fan. Yeah, getting intense. And you kill Owen... One of Abby's friends as Ellie. You kill Owen and his sort of girlfriend. They don't seem like they like each other anymore. No, yeah. Owen and Abby almost fuck again, right? No, they do. No, they do. They fuck. do fuck again. Yeah. All right. Yeah. They do fuck. Um, but yeah. that also, I don't know if I don't know if uh, I don't know if Owen's girlfriend ever knew about that. She just already didn't like Abby no, she was because yeah, Abby was a killer. And she didn't like that Well, about but, her. like, it was for sure that Abby and Owen were... Or exes. Right. And, yeah. Well, exes, yeah. So, you know. Yeah, anyway. And I will say in that, maybe... Um, what's, what's your guys' read on this? I did not like Abby's friends. As I played as Abby, I really was, liked her, and I thought her journey as, you know, like, her journey of redemption and her and Lev, I fucking loved awesome. it. Awesome. Absolutely kicked ass. Um... I didn't like her friends ever. I didn't. I. Uh, I didn't I, like Owen. I didn't like all the, the. You know, he was just like always trying to like get in good with Abby, even when they weren't together. I didn't like her friend Manny that much. He was maybe the least offensive. Yeah. Because he was just a companion who helped you shoot zombies. But I don't know the guy who spits on Joel's grave is a little offensive. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I agree wholeheartedly. I played through the first time, thinking that they were very underwhelming and incredibly maybe poorly de- flushed out. Maybe deliberately underdeveloped mm-hmm. because the focus was Abby's story. Well, yeah, and I mean, what are you going to do? The game is yeah. already 30-some-odd hours. Right. Right? But I will say, you know, first of all, we knew Tommy from the last game. Right. And Dina is a new character. Ellie's girlfriend, wife, Romantic whatever. Interest, yeah. um, I love Dina, and I feel like we got to know her really well. Yeah. Uh, well, we did get to spend we got a lot to, more We got to spend a but we got to spend time with Owen and Mel and a little bit with Manny. Yeah, I just was, didn't it was, like that. It was all divided. Like, yeah. You know, at, um, Ellie only had Dina, whereas Abby had all, you know, these five fuckers. That's true. Focus on, like, mm-hmm. one-on-one. For a while yeah. with Dina, you're riding one horse together. And the closest thing right. that you would get to, to, <laughs> to uh, Abby's version of Dina Stupid. is you get Owen. Yeah. Who, yeah. Just think who is kind of a jerk. Jerk, he's just boring. Yeah. yeah, he's just so lame. Yeah, I would say he's a jerk though, because like he's meant to be with this other girl, and they like ostensibly are together, and she's having his baby, and they're making plans. Even though you can tell they don't really like each other, they're making plans for a future that doesn't happen because they both get murdered. But I, I think he's just kind of a dick. He's just dumb. He yeah, was just kind of dumb. He's just, yeah, he's just kind of lame. Yeah, like yeah. And yeah, maybe that's because there's not much to him, and maybe that's deliberate. He's kind of three, or he's kind of two dimensional, right? It's mm-hmm. just like he he still loves Abby. Abby was more interested in killing Joel. Ends up having, you know, getting Mel knocked up, and I don't think he's really all that stoked about it. Yeah, he and didn't he seem wants like he's to be super with her, stoked. But then he doesn't want to. He's be just part trying of to be the him. nice guy, right? Yeah, yeah, and it, he just. I think that was him. actually his most interesting thing. He doesn't want to be part of the wolves anymore. He's got a sailboat he's trying to mm-hmm. fix up, which is what. Abby and Lev end up going and doing at the end of the game. Uh, let's talk about the ending now. Then. Yeah. Since you brought it up. Real quick. I think 
Owen had the potential to be interesting because he didn't want to be part of the wolves anymore. He was working to like leave that life. Yeah. And you do get a window into like the inner workings of the wolves with I forget what his name is, the boss. Logan. I don't remember his name. Yeah. I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now. But he's got like... Something like that. He's got like scar prisoners tied up mm-hmm. naked to chairs and like cutting them up it's with fucking garden shears and shit. He was, he was full on a villain and the only reason you were okay with it is because the, the scars were just as mean to you. But anyway, yeah. Let's 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 get on. Let's let's examine so, the ending the of ending, this right? very um, interesting and very the so you play three days in Seattle, right? Um, From both perspectives. As as Ellie, it ends with you guys are you got you and Dina have been hiding out in this old theater, and uh, you find Joel and what's the other guy's name? Tommy. Tom. No. What? Joel? Not Joel. Tommy is who I meant. You, you find, find Tommy and the other guy, the guy who knocked Jesse. up Dina, Jesse. Yeah. So you oh, find, yeah. You find a couple friends. I forgot about Jesse. Jesse so, dies. Oh, he gets done so dirty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Jesse, Jesse uh, knocked up Dina before the story mm-hmm. started, right? Because they were exes. Pregnant the whole time. Yeah. At the beginning of the game, they're exes. Mm-hmm. Dina doesn't know she's pregnant, and Dina and Ellie yeah. get together, and Jesse is still a fucking right. gentleman and yeah. a cool dude <laughs> hanging out with them. So and he just catches one in the side of the head. And you're hiding done. out in this theater with Dina and you find Tommy because he went there before you. You finally find Tommy and Jesse. And then uh, you, you hear some noise and it's actually uh, forgot. Yeah, you, you do find Tommy, right? Yeah, so Tom, Tommy and uh, Jesse run out. Mm-hmm. Well, no, Tommy's already like gotten. Yeah, Tommy's Tommy's at gunpoint already. Well, he and got shot. Yeah, he has like he has a head. bullet in his leg. Mm-hmm. No, but, he he gets the bullet in the head later. Oh, okay. You find you find Tommy first though, right? Yes, Tommy finds you after Tommy you murder Owen. Yeah, okay. As Ellie, yeah. Let's yeah. clarify for listeners. So as Ellie, at the end of Ellie's story, of the three days, you kill Owen, you kill Mel. And their dog. And their dog, which, you know. <laughs> then they, they make you play I, with I feel like that was Neil Druckmann doing us dirty. Yeah, and then they made you they, play with They it. try and make you feel, you know, real shitty about that on purpose. I didn't feel I bad. Didn't. Dog's trying to kill me. It's true. In a video game, guess what, dog? You catch a bullet. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, you find Tommy. You're hiding out in this uh, theater. Some, <laughs> uh, some ruckus happens. You, or Ellie and Jesse, run out. Jesse catches a catches a bullet in the head, dead. Mm-hmm. Abby's got Tommy down on the ground with a gun behind his head, mm-hmm. and then oh, freeze! And then you go back to Abby, right? You play the three days, which we already talked about. Mm-hmm. You get up to that point. So Abby ends with uh, Lev, who was a scar. Mm-hmm. Uh, she goes to like Scar Island or whatever it's called. Uh, that's not what it's called, but that sounds awesome. <laughs> some some spooky island off, yeah. off the coast of Seattle. Yeah. Uh, we looked at a map. We couldn't figure out. It's actually there's like, a there's a lot of things yeah. it could be. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, unclear. I'm Anyways. sure someone, if anyone listens not to this, su- they could important. figure it out. But yeah. So <laughs> Scar Island just sounds badass. The Abby, you know, Abby's team, the Wolves, they attack and they start murdering everybody. Uh, she goes there and finds Lev, who just killed his mom, and then like you know. Escapes, right? Comes back to Seattle. All her friends are dead. Mm-hmm. 
And she goes looking and like they like uh, Ellie left the map or whatever. Yeah, Ellie. Yeah, Ellie kind of foolishly exit. in a soap opera fashion says, "We are here." Yeah, leaves the map <laughs> on the floor where she murdered Owen and Mel, and it has the, the theater, theater hideout yeah. circled on it. on it. Yeah. So Abby and Lev go to confront them. Mm-hmm. They. Uh, they have a boss fight. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Abby shoots Tommy. And then Ellie and Abby have a boss fight. Yeah. And you play Which as Abby. Which you play as Abby. And you fall through the floor and you, you chase her around in the basement and she kills you with a machete a couple of times. And then... <laughs> and then you have to push restart. And yeah. Like, <laughs> I just, like, I, I found like, that, I will say, mm. let's get back into this idea. So, Gameplay versus storytelling. Okay. A little, a little immersion breaking for me that as Abby, I couldn't just grab Ellie and throw her, you know... Around? Yeah, just, like, smash her head into the wall. But if you don't stealth attack her, she just kills you with a machete automatically. You're supposed to be the one who is, like, a trained commando and is way bigger than Ellie. Fair enough. And you can't just, like, throw Dude, her Abby's around. Abby's got so many muscles. <laughs> so Abby's got so about, many muscles. about her muscles. <laughs> and totally Ellie, Ellie's cool, but Ellie got no muscles. And she just, like, guts you with a machete every time you yeah. don't do exactly so what the anyways, game So, anyways, uh, you, you anyway. have this boss fight. I hated that boss it, fight. The boss fight ends... When Dina comes in and Lev comes in and it's kind of a stalemate. Yeah. And Abby decides not to kill Dina. Mm-hmm. After she's already beat Ellie. Yeah. To a pulp. Yeah. yeah. And Ellie's like, no, don't don't hurt her. She didn't do anything. Well, Talking about Dina because she loves Dina and also Dina's pregnant. Well, so, Lev stops her. Yeah. And it. Lev is like, no. And so Abby. Lev's like, we're better than this. Yeah. Let's go. It's like, if I ever see you again, you're done. And then she leaves. And I will say this, uh, getting back to the idea of pacing, something that Last of Us 2 does really well, we never play travel. Mm. Because that would be bullshit, and it would just, like, if we played a long, drawn-out journey back to Wyoming where you sometimes have to avoid zombies, that would suck. We don't do that. We skip, like, nine months. They've had the baby. They're living in a little house. Ellie and Dina. Ellie and Dina, yeah. Back Back in Wyoming... We didn't play getting there. We just are mm-hmm. there now. Right. And the implication is mm-hmm. that we've kind of... Life is good. Yeah, life is good, and we've kind of gotten over what happened. But what we find out through some, you know, cinematic moments is that Ellie's not okay still. Yeah, she's suffering through PTSD. Mm-hmm. Big time. And Dina is seemingly okay, but she's holding it together for Ellie. And she mm-hmm. says that straight up that, you know, she's like, yeah, I can't stop seeing it, but I need to for you. And they've got the baby. And then Tommy comes over the house. Fucking Tommy comes back. He yeah. survived getting shot in the head. So, yeah, Purple. you thought he was dead, yeah. but turns out it was just a, you know, side of the head. And so he's got a map, and he's like, oh, this is where Abby is. And then Dina's like, get the fuck out of my house. Yeah. You can't yeah. bring that shit. You know, you're going to send uh, Ellie into relapse mm-hmm. trying to go get Abby. Get the fuck out. And, of course, you know, then Abby's like, well... Well, and I think this was Ellie. a this was a good move here. Mm-hmm. I, I really liked that they did this in the game. Mm-hmm. But Dina stood her ground. She said, "If mm-hmm. you go, I'm yeah. leaving. I'm yeah, taking right. the leaving. kid, and there will be nothing." Like Ellie, if you me. fucking go after Abby again, fucking done. Yeah. yeah, and I thought that was a cool move, mm-hmm. and I I did like the follow up. Mm-hmm. That was the thing. I already really liked Dina, and that was like Dina being. Like just standing up for something. Being yeah, being <laughs> kind of the only reasonable person up until this point. I know, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> But, and still and being the reason. That's not person. totally true, but because yeah, because apparently Abby's in California now. 
yeah. right? So like they, they heard some rumors from some traveling traders. There's there's a woman who fits Abby's description. Tommy can't go. He's crippled. He got a bullet in the head and a bullet in the leg. Yeah. And so we get we get Ellie trap tracking Abby all the way down to California, which we now know that Abby Walling, in California mm-hmm. has been captured by the Rattlers or whatever mm-hmm. they are. Yeah. Which is slaver gang. An interesting you know, choice. I like Though, I think it played really well. It was just like, yeah, there's some more survivors. These guys are slavers. This is a bad place to go. You didn't know that. You hadn't been there before. Yeah. And she's she's trying to link up with, like, old Firefly enclaves. And her and Lev are a team. Right. And mm-hmm. they seem more like siblings now than, like, the Joel and Ellie father-daughter yeah. thing. But, um... So, Abby gets duped. Yeah. Abby uh, gets duped and captured. And I don't know if she actually did get duped on the radio. Was Was that, like, maybe a real Firefly and there was just Rattlers hanging out? That's what I don't know, is, like... Never addressed. It it doesn't get answered, right? Never addressed. Right, yeah. We don't know. Uh, Because that's that's how... So so they get captured, and then you start playing as Ellie going to track down Abby. Uh, Ellie ends up saving Abby Mm -hmm. from... Because, like, when Ellie finds them, they're hung up on these posts... I mean, she's basically yep. crucified yeah. and emaciated. Mm-hmm. Her hair's been cut off. Yep. We we know at this point, just through seeing the progression of Abby, that that braid, her hair is very important. Yeah, to that her. was a thing that she kept, and it like got and longer as she got grow. older. Yeah. yeah, and then to have her head shaved, like, yep. and she's almost unrecognizable. Mm. The muscles are gone. Mm-hmm. She's she's skin and bone, and her first inkling once she gets cut down is to go save Lev and yeah. make sure that they get out of there. Mm-hmm. Even though she knows it's Ellie. She's yeah, like, oh, it's you. Yeah. So and then, then Ellie's like, this, I can't let you leave. Fight on a boat. Well, in in the water next. Yeah. They're boats. trying to steal a couple boats, and then they have this fight. And Ellie uh, just won't let it go. Ellie mm-hmm. just won't let it go. And you know she does. Like she saved them. Also, yeah. Ellie kind of like in her fucking vengeance quest, she was a hero. She killed a bunch of rattlers, yeah. and then she let out. All the, all the prisoners, and she gave them all the guns, and they like they took back that that resort complex. Which and is kind of cool. The gang is dead. They all the prisoners like rose up and killed them, and that was because Ellie did that. She let them free, this but part, she didn't care about any of that shit. She just wanted to murder well, she's very Dina. Single-minded. Also, quick note while we're here on that section, mm. this was one of my favorite gameplay mechanics in mm. the entire thing. Okay. Was sneaking around and releasing infected to uh, kill the rattlers. Yeah. I thought it was the coolest shit. It was cool that it was there, and like I, that's a, that's an interesting stealth mechanic that you could just like you could throw bottles and like get guys to walk places, and then you could try and like do stuff to them. And well, well I, you know, I, I, cool think, flavor mechanic. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah, that know, was that I was think, certainly like, and it's not it's gameplay not and storytelling to, in the to Last world. of Us too. I think that's right. a very awesome part of game stealth mechanics like you know in far cry you can release dangerous animals yeah to attack or you um, can like put some bait out you know, and then like the patrol yeah. will be coming by but a tiger gets some right or something. in yeah. in uh, skyrim you can release caged wolves sometimes you know mm-hmm. some banded camps well, have been... and it did actually happen a couple other times in this game because mm-hmm. there's times when you're playing as ellie and then a bunch of like uh, a wolves come in and mm-hmm. then they're like, oh, there's infected. So then you start throwing bottles. Yeah. And then, yeah. Like, and then like, like, oh, no, oh, no it's noise. Well, this thing exploded. I, <laughs> I would go kill this woman, except now there's zombies. <laughs> now I'm right. being chased by clickers. Yeah. yeah. So, so there's some cool stuff. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's, that's a cool, you know, mechanic to have. Let's give it one point. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that's it. One out of 10. Last so, of us. You so idiot. Anyways, <laughs> uh, it ends with Ellie, um, 
Does she beat Abby at the boats? I uh, forgot. So, or do it's, they stalemate? It's a gnarly tussle. Yes. Yeah. Quite. A lot quite, of almost being stabbed. And uh, a lot of and some drowning. Mm-hmm. Abby loses some drowning. her two left fingers. No, there. Ellie. Ellie does. That's Abby. What. Abby bites Ellie's fingers off. Yep. Uh, her pinky and her ring finger mm-hmm. on her left hand. Um, and then in a fit of rage, Ellie is drowning Abby mm-hmm. and then has a flashback about Joel mm-hmm. and realizes in that moment that killing her won't bring Joel back. Yeah. Leaves her to go. And is like, get out of here. And I, and Abby's like, all right, fuck you, I'm leaving. And then Ellie is left crying in the water mm-hmm. and it's super tragic. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that that was a huge contentious point for a lot of people. Yeah, that there wasn't, like, a brutal ending right. to that mm-hmm. story. That there wasn't, like, a conclusive win to that fight. But I think it's the right ending, you know? Like, storytelling-wise, I just I think it was a really powerful moment. You mm. know? I think it worked really well. and Because, you know, the other thing was that, like, you know, Lev was basically dead, needed Abby to, to save him after after they both got cut down. Mm-hmm. And I don't want him to die. No. They needed to, like, they needed to get away. And Ellie's like, oh, I'll kill him if you don't fight me. Yeah, if you don't fucking fight yeah. me about it. I'm like, all right, dick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, Abby goes in the boat to Catalina, which is where the Firefly allegedly, allegedly are. are. Mm-hmm. Interested to see if that's anything, if there is a part yeah. three. Ellie but... goes back to outside of Jackson uh, to their house. To an empty To, to mm-hmm. Dina and Ellie's yeah. house and then Dina's not there with, you know, nothing. Yeah, there's nothing fine. there. And that's one of the most single tragic moments mm-hmm. in the game. I mean, there's t- the whole yeah, game is it's, a, you know, a tragedy. It's a tragedy. <laughs> but when Ellie goes and tries to pick up the guitar, the one thing that she has uh, left yeah. of Joel... And I guess we didn't say this. Anymore. If you haven't seen it and you've been listening to this whole thing, one of the things that happens early in the game is in a flashback, Joel's Joel's teaching Ellie to play guitar. Right. And then throughout the game as Ellie, you can play guitar yeah. as a, you know, direct connection. Play a little mini game. Yeah. Yeah. As a direct connection to, to Joel, Joel, which by the end of the game, you've lost completely because in your no quest fingies. to, yeah, in your quest to vengeance him. That didn't stop Django Reinhardt. He had two <laughs> fingers and he was great. Well, you know. Ellie's just a punk. She got to learn it. Yeah, yeah she's, she's <laughs> yeah. just got more to learn. Yeah, and she actually might be okay. That could be a really powerful element of a third game is that she has learned to play the guitar with two fingers. Well, I, so that's what happens though. She leaves the guitar, and then we pan out and we see her walking out. Mm-hmm. She's leaving the house, the guitar, all of that behind. This is where I think that's why there will be a third game. Is I think that there will be a third game because now Ellie deserves a redemption story. Mm-hmm. This whole game was her, like, falling into the pits of depravity. That's true. Like, she becomes proper villainous yeah, by I the end this of this story. A, I think it's a segue game into the next... And if you if you it. approach it objectively, Abby, by the end of the game, Abby is the much more sympathetic character. Absolutely. And uh, I still feel bad for, you know... I, I still feel sad about the loss on Ellie's part, and it also, like, really sucks for Dina that, like, they had a happy life for a little bit, and then she couldn't let it go, and so, you know, the thing that they had, they lost, and Dina probably just took the baby and went back to Jackson, because right. that was that was foreshadowed. Um, her parents are dead, but uh, Jesse's parents are still in Jackson, so they have a home to go to back in the old settlement. Right. So, like, it could be, 
um, an interesting story in the third game. And obviously, you know, we've been all over the place talking about, you know, this part and that part. Um, so one hell of a story, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah, yeah. M- plenty of potential for continuation. Um, but I kind of do want to get back to specifically, you know, storytelling in video games because we went into the Last of Us story. But, mm-hmm. like, generally, storytelling in video games. Let's talk about that. Okay. Uh, like I said earlier in the episode, I think, like, this is a huge blockbuster of a video game. I think it really opens the door for such heavy, serious topics because also I think that that's something that's shied away from in in video games, at least in the the mainstream and what's acceptable for AAA. I think Sony let Naughty Dog get away with a lot of stuff in this game that probably isn't, like, okay for most developers, right? They probably wouldn't let, like, you know, there being a sex scene in this game pretty explicitly. Yeah. Sony has previously been serious about not letting stuff like that. They Like, they've had pretty strict content stuff and they decided, I guess, I would actually kind of, I would query why that was super important to see Oe, Owen, oh, and Abby actually have sex. It's like, I don't know. It, it's one of those things that it's was sort it just because it was all so grim. Yeah, like I it guess. sort of adds to it. Like it, it felt almost, you know, funny enough because they're making an HBO series of this show or of this mm. story, but it, the whole thing felt like like a Walking Dead or like a mm-hmm. Game of Thrones kind mm-hmm. of thing. And like, I don't know, the sex sells. It's not even like a sexy sex. Yeah, there was nothing sexualized <laughs> about it. Like two characters had sex in a very Just, unsexy way. Right. Well, of. I mean, also and, having... Uh, oh, fuck. Ellie. Ellie and Dina. Dina also yeah. had sex. That was maybe more sexy and more fun because, like, they nothing terrible had well, happened yet, yeah. and they were just into yeah. each other in a happy way. Sure. <laughs> I, I also think that there's something to be said about uh, just both of those sex scenes, if we're going to address that, is that neither of them felt overly, like, we're here to appease the male vision. It's just here to I, I, exist. Yeah, because, I, I never well, felt like either one was... Because it made sense in the story. Yeah. Right. Neither of them were distasteful. Both of them were great story beats. And that's probably um, how it how it flew, right? Yeah. Where it's just like, hey, look, we're not sexualized. Like, it is sexual. Right. This is not an over-sexualization of both of yeah. these characters. It, um, but, like, you know, their characters, it makes sense that they have sex here. Yeah. Totally. Mm. Yeah. Right? Um, and I, I think that worked. They Like, neither of those sequences hurt. I just I wonder about that because Sony previously been has strange. been like, hey, no, don't do that. But so I think, you know, here we are setting the bar, not only for... Um, what the, what you can do with storytelling, visual storytelling through the medium of a video game, you also have a new bar set for like what the tonality of a video game can be. Because like, I don't think I have ever really played a game with such a heavy tone. I would say I have, but you know, let maybe, me maybe hyperbolic. Well, okay, so I know but. both of you. Well, I know for sure Dane and I think you have. Let me let me get into this idea cuz we're talking about the idea of a, a more general discussion of video games and how storytelling is done in in video games. Um the the most recent God of War game. Yeah. Uh isn't quite as grim in in tone. As, as The Last of Us, but I feel like it deals with stuff that is just as heavy. Yeah. And uh, they're, they're actually, 
they're two years apart, but I think of them as contemporaries because I didn't get a PlayStation until last year. Sure. So I played these games very close together. But um, I would also say that the new God of War does... It, it achieves in terms of storytelling. It achieves like you know artful storytelling in the same way The Last of Us did. But it married it with gameplay right. a lot more seamlessly. Because, yeah. like, everything has this, like, mythic, you know, stuff to it. Like, oh, these are the, like, the thorns of whatever. They can't be cut. That's, like, a myth mm-hmm. that Atreus knows. And Kratos is like, oh, okay, boy. <laughs> but then later, <laughs> but then later he gets his fire blades back and, like, oh, he actually can. So nothing can cut them except for this other mythic thing, which oh, Kratos has. So, like, in mm-hmm. gameplay, you have a thing that can now do this thing. And, you know, all the little bits, all the little, like, breadcrumbs of storytelling are fed back into the gameplay loop because like now you have a thing that can do that or you go to hell to get the winds of hell to you know power these things around the world well i think i think it's also it's it's uh, very different wildly wildly different yes yeah fantastical fantasy mythology the theory the theory right um video games are well they are different in a lot of ways from the other traditional mediums of storytelling but there's a lot of similes there uh, not all video games are stories, of course, but like, for example, you know, that kind of stuff where in gameplay you try to go to an area, but it's blocked off mm-hmm. because, oh, you, you can't yeah. cut these vines. You don't have the mechanic yet that right. lets you in. Right. But then, all right, so we we'll go a different way. We'll go a different path. You find the, the fire blades, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a gameplay mechanic. And then, oh, that path is open to you now. You yeah. go back and cut it open. Right, like that's the same as, like, um, uh, maybe not the same, but just like you know something that's dropped in like the first couple of chapters of a novel. Yeah, and yeah, then like foreshadowing, right? Planting foreshadowing, a payoff. You know, yeah. uh, what is it called? Mac. McGruber. Nope, that's not it. Chekhov's gun. No. No. McGregor. Nope, that's a guy. Ewan. It's my boy Ewan, Ewan. McGregor. Ewan. That's not what we're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, MacGuffin. Oh, MacGuffin. That's what it yeah, is. MacGuffin. Thing. Yes. MacGuffin. Yeah. MacGuffin is the concept of, yeah, something that's innocuous in the first. Like, it doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. The uh, the Maltese Falcon is, the, is an old, like, noir film mm-hmm. about it. And the Maltese Falcon is a statue that doesn't do anything, but everybody wants. And so it becomes the, like, central... Thing okay. or like the ring in Lord of the Rings. Sure, that's a worse example of MacGuffin because mm-hmm. that actually has a strict magic. Yeah, that affects it and the but people I, who use it. But the idea of MacGuffin is the item, the item that yeah. everyone needs, the item that mm-hmm. you need for well, the story. For example, uh, Harry Potter is really good about MacGuffins, right? So, the first Harry Potter, yeah, the Sorcerer's Stone. They Harry never goes. Use it. Harry goes to Gringotts and sees the Sorcerer's like Hagrid gets a sorcerer's stone out of the bank vault. Hmm. But then, like, you know, he doesn't know what it is, and he yeah. has no idea what's happening. But then later... They learn they about the it, and together. they're like, oh, we need to get it so that the bad guy can't mm-hmm. get it. But you never actually use it. It never does anything. So it's like the section in Kung Pao where it's... he's talking to the, the Mufasa, <laughs> and he's like, and this is what it's going to mean later. And you're going to be like, oh, that's what he means when I said stars above. Stars uh, above. <laughs> Well, that's that's there more that's more planting and payoff. A MacGuffin <laughs> needs to be an item, oh, generally okay. speaking. I guess I loosely understand. <laughs> but, but anyways, 
So, different ways to tell stories uh, in video games. Uh, we were talking about a gameplay way, mm-hmm. right? So, you can't go this certain route because right. you need a mechanic. Yeah. You go when level you get a up weapon or whatever. that has fire, now you can get through certain things. Mm-hmm. So, here's an interesting thought about discussion of, you know, I love interesting thought. But, at the end of the day, we're... we're Reaching a, a place in video games where one they're way more mainstream mm-hmm. than they even were 10, 15 oh, absolutely. years yeah, yeah. ago. Uh, Especially from starting as like such a niche thing, yeah. and then you know when we were in high school, like yeah, you know, everyone played Halo, everyone played fucking Killzone, whatever. Right. You know that seemed fairly mainstream for us, but now it like actually is in the mainstream, and earnings in video games have eclipsed film. Yeah, I mean it's huge mainstream culture now, uh, so. We're at a point now where I think largely more people, it's got a wider audience, more people are having the opportunity to experience a story and feel something. And I think that at the end of the day, when I'm looking for a story in a video game, I'd like to feel something at the end Mm -hmm. of it. So it's like, I loved the God of War game. It was an awesome video game on top of telling me a story, but I was like, I felt stuff the entire time. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh man, this is... Literally a story. This uh, is a heavy story about like being a bad dad and mm. being better at it as yeah. you try. I don't want to. I don't want to actually like uh, make this a thing, but no, you just did. Yeah, but you're gonna. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's like that's the beauty of of uh, pen and paper role playing games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean is, that's that's our show. That's the yeah, main right. thing we talk about. Like I don't want to like, you know, bring this and then all of a sudden we're dunking on video games because video games are great. Mm. But like I think with the massive success of video games, it shouldn't be um, pushed under the rug necessarily. Um, cuz like role playing pen and paper like you get to make a character. Yeah. You get to feel things. You get to fall in love with your character. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, you know, I just and reference something I said earlier. Not all video games are stories like that. Right? Mm-hmm. right. Not all video games can make you feel something. I think those are the video games I really enjoy. The mm-hmm. ones that make you feel something. The ones with a interesting story to tell. With a story, yeah. yeah. Generally speaking, that's what I've tried to go for. And even like games like Halo, which are... Primarily focused on like an arcade shooter thing. When I was a kid, the thing that I really, really liked was lore and mm-hmm. you know story, and I liked learning more about it. I loved that there were like novels to go along with the Halo game. Well, I think you know we spent a lot of time this this episode, and I know that this is your your podcast is typically more about an analog video mm-hmm. or analog game setting, mm-hmm. and, and I think that there's something to be said about as wide you know widespread and mainstream as video games are the joy of an analog game. I think whether it be Dungeons and Dragons or in my case, you know, Magic the Gathering, playing an analog game with your friends and experiencing something is also something that's special and shouldn't be let go of. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're in a digital world right now where mm-hmm. the generation under us is obsessed with, you know... With Those fucking Zoomers. Fucking Zoomers. <laughs> no, but, like, you know, I, I I can't for the life of me, you know, get some of these kids to stop playing, 
you know, it's like, oh, let's play this, you know, shoot 'em up game, or we're gonna go do a, like a digital sandbox thing in VR. And I'm like, can we just use our imagination? <laughs> <laughs> just imagine your I know this sounds very yeah. like old man yells at cloud, yeah. but I'm like. <laughs> Just play the damn cards with me. It's so much fun. I assure you. And, like, you know, it's mm-hmm. in your head, like, the same way it is in, in D&D. You know? you're right. like, you're... Well, I think uh, let's talk about Magic the Gathering a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, yes, they, there's some novels to go along with them. Very but... few. I, I went back and looked. Um... But they do tell a lot of story in, like, the flavor text. Yeah, of, each, of each, cards, each set right? and expansion I mean, is Wizards has done a, a story. An, an and... awesome job in, like, making the continuity of the lore and the worlds mm-hmm. feel the same now. Mm-hmm. And with each set, they at least drop, like, a small novella. Now. Yeah, it's not novels anymore, yeah, but, yeah, something to like... kind of tell you what's going on. And then, yeah, I mean, there's tons of YouTube content to, to learn about the lore, and mm-hmm. that's the exciting stuff. But yeah, like you know, I liked. I always loved reading the the flavor text of my cards, and yeah, using my imagination. Like you know, I had a sliver deck once, and all the lore kind of connected. Fuck you! Hey, <laughs> I love my sliver deck. Okay? I love it so. Much. I've never done anything except be a mono red gobbo boy, yeah, but checks out. Uh, <laughs> checks out. Two hundred percent. But I will say uh, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, so. I've been mono red gobbo the entire time I've ever played Magic. Though that's the only Magic I've ever been good at. That's the only Magic I I really like get. I like other decks, and I like other ways to play Magic, but I never liked Slivers. I hated Slivers. <laughs> it's funny because you know, I think Aliens super cool, and that's why I think Slivers are super yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. But. No, I mean, there's so much story in the cards, mm. right? Like, yeah. so much can be told in, like, a sentence. Little blurbs. Right? Like, which, like, so, to get back to video games. Yeah. Uh, like, like collecting, like, journal entries or um, little bits of the story, right? Because yeah, so like, much can be told in little Breadcrumb storytelling mm-hmm. is something that uh, Last of Us 2 did fantastically. Oh, yeah. And I would actually... So, I said that... Uh, I said that God of War 2018 was a better video game and I think did a better job of blending gameplay and storytelling than The Last of Us 2. I think Last of Us 2 is still the better story, God of War the better video game. Yeah. But God of War did not have nearly the amount of like breadcrumb storytelling. Sometimes there's like things that Atreus could, you know, like write down in his journal and you could pull up the journal and look at it, but it didn't really affect what was going on. In Last of Us when you're playing as Ellie and you get the bow, you can get the bow because you have to go that way. Or you can read all these great things that give you a fucking mountain of content and context for why the bow is there and, like, why the guy who was, like, a fucking Olympic archery mm-hmm. champion or whatever, why he has a bow and why he's doing so good in the zombie apocalypse. And then it had, the story has this, like, fucking tragic ending where you have to kill him because he's become infected. Right. And then you get his bow, though. And so, <laughs> like, you've taken on this incredible mantle of, like, being a badass survivor in the zombie apocalypse. Well, and I think that goes back to kind of something that you touched on a little earlier, but is, uh, you know, not only bread come... Uh, breadcrumb storytelling, but environmental still. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like yeah. some of that shit. I mean, you know, since 
you and I were in middle school playing like Morrowind together and just like mm-hmm. seeing the little details that Bethesda would just right. like, yeah. it's like you walk into a house and this person's been murdered, but there's like stuff strewn about and you're like, interesting. <laughs> I can at least tell <laughs> that something happened, yeah. you know? <laughs> like, you you, mm-hmm. you know, it's just those little things that you see. You see, uh, you know, a body on the side of the road and you're like, mm-hmm. well, that seems out of place. And then you're like, oh, well, how did it get there? And, you, you know, it gets your brain turning. Yeah, you Again, start cooking it's, stuff up. And... It's going back to using your imagination. I think right. that's the best part, right, is where you can read journal entries. You can read stuff and then start being like, oh, this is what happened. This is mm-hmm. why this is this way, you know? And, like, you know, the great thing about, like, the video games is uh, you read a journal entry. Of, um, what was it? In, in Last of Us, you were reading journal entry or letters because um, there are like two apartments oh, in the right, apartment going back building, and, forth and, and like that, that was would help really each cool, other yeah. out. Yeah. I don't think we actually finished that. I don't think we because, found the face. Yeah, because we didn't get to fall through into the other one yeah. and get the and get the safe open. Oh, okay. But that was one thing we were pretty good about that. As as me and Dane played through, we liked to read the notes and we mm-hmm. liked to be yeah. like, okay, so this one mentions a safe. Somewhere around here is another one with a safe code. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, in, in like finding the breadcrumbs that will lead you to, you know, some more supplies or a sure. gun or whatever, you learn so much about what happened in that mm-hmm. space before you got there. And, you know, maybe even right. before the apocalypse and or like, whatever. Just because you were in the space, you know, there was a visual because it's a video game. Right. You could really, your imagination could really like latch on to that and like, you know, really click with like, oh... You know, I imagine, you know, this is how the people looked, and they're in the apartment, and I can see the door that they're, like, you know, knocking on and sliding notes under or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, you can you can really see it. Like, mm. it, it's almost two levels, right, where it's, like, you're getting the instant visual gratification, but then on top of that, since you're in that space, you can see it in your mind's eye mm-hmm. now, too, and I think that's kind of fascinating. Yeah. Well... Yeah. I, I mean, kind of. Where else do we need to go? That's a lot of stuff. Um, I think, you know, maybe, okay, so summary, right? So we talked about Last of Us 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, great story. Mechanics kind of yeah. lacking. Great story. A little, a little bit held back by gameplay, or at least that was my first impression. Mm-hmm. I, I was like... it's super outdated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, an outdated gameplay presentation but now that i've gotten you know a little bit of distance from it i don't remember that i don't remember not enjoying the third person shooter stealth stuff because it was dated and clunky i remember the story as being good and interesting and me having a great time playing so something you could overcome yeah uh, the game so, yeah so, something certainly like with with very little effort, I've I've come around on the gameplay because I liked the rest of it so much. We right. talked about uh, the way they told the story, dual perspectives. You played as one character, and then you kind of got to play as the the anti mm-hmm. uh, hero. And then we talked about how those kind of swats, you mm-hmm. know, midway yeah. through the story. Right? Yeah, Ellie goes on a journey into darkness. Her heart of darkness and. And and Abby's redemption arc yeah. happens simultaneously. Yeah. 
Um, the pacing, we talked about how the pacing could have been a little bit better, uh, you know, how it could have been day by day, or, you know, you play day one as Ellie, you play day one as Abby. Or at least not limited it by mm-hmm. actual gameplay progression. Because sure. you start with that's nothing. That's what we talk, yeah. yeah. Right. And that's really it's frustrating. Down to nothing. It doesn't make the story mm-hmm. less good, mm-hmm. but it makes... The gameplay experience feel yeah. like a grown. Right. Yeah, it makes playing it less fun. Yeah. When it takes progress away from you. Totally. Right. But, uh, you know, we also talked about just how video games are a little bit different than novels and films and, you know, TV shows. So they have to incorporate gameplay. Um, you know, some good and some bad in that. Uh, you know, the pacing gets a little weird because... Oh, you start as Abby from zero, you know, you have no skills, you have no progression, whereas, you know, 20 seconds ago you were playing as Ellie who had all that stuff. Yeah. Um, But, you know, that's just, you know, the video games have to incorporate Mm. gameplay. They they have to meet somewhere. Yeah. And, you know, I, I mentioned how much I liked the new God of War, how great a story I think that is and how I think it like blended gameplay better, but there's there's elements of storytelling that are lost in that that, you know, don't really come across. And I think no matter how much I loved God of War, Last of Us Two did a much better job, I think, of environmental storytelling and of breadcrumb storytelling, of like things that you find yeah, in the world. We that... talked we talked about breadcrumb storytelling, not just in video games, we talked about it in role playing games, we talked about it in Magic the Gathering, which is a card game, if you guys are idiots and hiding under a rock. I mean don't don't be mean. You know, I didn't know <laughs> I what know. Magic the Gathering was until I did. At some point you don't know what I it mean, is. I mean that's fair, but also like come on man. Also, we were seven. We were young when we yeah. got into it. That's true. So, you know, if... <laughs> we were, we were youngins. We didn't have phones. Yeah, that's true. It's true. It was a pre-phone, uh, but it was post-Pokemon. Wasn't it? It was pre-Pokemon. Yeah, it was post... It was post... Well, no, magic, well magic, magic predates Pokemon, but we well, Pokemon in, like, kindergarten and first yeah. grade, and then in, like, second, third grade, we got into Magic instead. Yeah, that checks out. I, I Pokemon before I Magic. I, I Pokemon before I Magic, but I never knew how to play Pokemon. I never did. I was and say, I, I was like, I never actually knew how to play Pokemon. Yeah. I still don't. My seventh yeah, I still birthday, don't fucking know how to play Pokemon. <laughs> my seventh birthday, Cosmo shows up with a, uh, a With some Magic cards, And yeah. he's like, this is for you, and I'm like... <laughs> Now we play magic. And now I have a now, crippling cardboard addiction. <laughs> and now the game has moved past my ability. <laughs> I, I'm not keeping up with it. <laughs> I'm doing a bad job. But anyway, yes. Anyways. Yeah. Breadcrumb storytelling. Yes. Fucking fantastic. Great way. Put it in your pen and paper game. Big fan. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll do an episode about breadcrumb. Ooh, breadcrumbs. Breadcrumb yeah. storytelling later. You said it first. All right. Anyways, uh, so that's the end of the episode. Again, Two-Headed Game Master. Mm-hmm. Find us at 2HGM.com. Leave us uh, you know, comments, feedback. Uh, we also, on 2HGM.com, we have the Eclipse Engine yeah. for free. Eclipse Engine, our uh, proprietary, original uh, pen and paper role-playing system available for download for free with... Character sheets and everything else you need. And by now, there's some other stuff up there as well as uh, the Dungeon Creator Worksheet. And we have a Patreon. If you like what we do, you want to support us, feel free to uh, join. Yes, uh, join us next time for another Two-Headed Game Master. But, Nico, your time. 
First of all, thank you for joining yes. us. Yes, uh, my pleasure. Thank and, you and guys you... for uh, entertaining my idea that maybe we're going to talk about some video games. Yeah. <laughs> and you have a little thing to plug. Yeah. Um, so you can uh, look out for uh, my work. Uh, I'm a musician. I'm in a couple bands. I have one band called Seva. That's S A E V A. Uh, kind of post post proggy black metal. Uh, my other band, Glacial Tomb. You can catch us online. Uh, I'm sorry, not online. In person. Oh! <laughs> so we're playing at Psycho Las Vegas, August 20th. It used to be illegal, now it's allowed again. Yeah, we can do that now. Psycho Las, is that in Las Vegas? Psycho Las Vegas is a festival in Las Vegas. In we're Las Vegas. Oh, fuck yeah. All sorts of big bands, Danzig and all them guys. Um, and uh, then, when does that air? Because we got to air this before that. Otherwise, this will be a useless be sack useless. of trash. Uh, that's it. August 20th. All right. We can we do gotta, that. We can do yeah, that. Yeah, we got to get this up in the rotation, though. <laughs> Sweet. Um, and then, yeah, I have another project if you're into some other weird, awful music. Uh, the Gay Science on Bandcamp. You can check that out. All the other bands that I just mentioned, they're all on Bandcamp. And that's really uh, what I got cooking, you know. Uh, that's very lo- good, yeah. If you're here local in Denver, you can come visit me at Flipside Music, the instruments shop that I work at, and we can talk about instruments and Magic the Gathering and video games and any sort of analog gaming you're into. Uh, thanks, Nico, for taking part yeah. of the show. Uh, you know, that all sounds rad. great. Go check it out because Nico's rad. Uh, his bands are rad. Uh, love him. Mm-hmm. Love you too, guys. Old friend, love you for being here. Uh, thank you to the Burning Saviors for the use of their song Pond Hill is Finest as the intro and outro of our podcast. And we will see you next time. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>